Wealth Tactic Rebels, ingenious tactics to accumulate wealth for people who see things differently. Welcome to another discussion with Wealth Tactic Rebels, the podcast for people who see things differently. I'm your host, Kevin Dumont, and I've been thinking differently in the wealth field for near 15 years now. Today we have a guest. Uh, we're joined by Phyllis Ginsberg. Phyllis, how are you today? I'm great. How are you, Kevin? I'm doing fantastic, enjoying the summer this year. It's really been a nice one. I don't know about your neck of the woods, but we've been <laughs> living it up with the summer this year. Sounds good. So, Phyllis is what we call a health and happiness expert, and she's also the author of two books, The Brain Makeover and Tired and Hungry No More, which you know sounds like a fantastic title to me. I, I don't like either of those things, but Phyllis, why don't you talk to our listeners today a little bit and tell us a little bit more about where you started and how you got to be the health and happiness expert you are today. Well, thanks so much, Kevin, for having me on. I can tell you that I was not born uh, and raised as a healthy, happy child. A lot of stress growing up with a mom who was in chronic pain with arthritis and migraine headaches. And I became the overly responsible child. So I was a serious child. I wasn't your happy-go-lucky, carefree child. I was making sure everything was okay. I learned how to cook and clean at a really young age and needed to take on these responsibilities. And so as I developed this overly responsible, efficient, uh, effective self, and that's how I got praised and it got reinforced, I continued to do those things for a long time. And it wasn't until 2005 when I had an eight-month waiting list. My specialty, my expertise was in high-conflict divorce. Oh, wow. With an eight-month waiting list on that. Yes. Talk about uh, pressure there, huh? Not so much pressure. Remember, my overly responsible self loved this kind of work. Oh, I see. Right. 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 So it wasn't the work that was stressful. It was that I had way too much of it to more than what was humanly possible. I was juggling child custody evaluations, mediations, co-parenting, seeing kids and reunifying them with their parents, really intense stuff. But I didn't really realize the toll that the work took on me until I took a break. And in 2005, I took a sabbatical, and it took six months to get clients out of my head. Along that lines, I find that when I'm working a lot and not taking time off to take care of myself, it's it's like that. The longer I've been going, the longer I need to kind of come down off that high and realize how worn out or, or overworked I really am and start kind of getting back to me. Right. Until we stop, we have no idea really the impact that it has on us. And I had no idea. I just knew that I was headed for like total burnout if I didn't do something. And when I took this time off, it wasn't that I got myself back. I totally lost me. Like I had a husband, a dog, a cat, two kids at home, trying to do it all. And there was no me. So getting myself back to my normal like baseline was okay. But when I took time off and immersed myself in positive psychology, and that wasn't being taught when I went to school over 30, years ago, yeah. wasn't even on the radar. 
it's relatively a new field. I discovered that I could be so much happier than I ever was. And it was incredible. I paired that with what I was learning about the brain. I went to some trainings um, to continue doing child custody work that was mandatory by the state. And they had somebody come in and show brain scans of what a child's brain looks like when they are in a family with high conflict. And it's scary to think that it impacts children so much. Well, no doubt. Children are far more sensitive than sometimes people give them credit for, because children can be very resilient, more so than adults can be. But I think it's a bigger uh, seesaw, perhaps. Right. And if they don't have the coping skills developed yet, or they live in fear because they've got parents that are really scaring them. And survival is one of the things that they have to be mindful of. It's scary. Am I going to survive this? And what's going to happen? And my parents are fighting. So when I saw that, I put two and two together and I thought there has got to be a better way for me to reach people, to make a difference for not happiness for the sake of happiness. We all want to be happy. What positive psychology says is that people who are happier, they're healthier, they make more money, they have better relationships, they're easier to get along with. Everything runs a whole lot smoother. Your immune system's stronger when you're happier because you're not running stress hormones, you're actually running feel-good hormones. There is a long list of about 15 things that happiness does to us physiologically, emotionally, mentally, physically. During this time off, I put together some survival to thrival methods, things that I did for myself. And then I returned back to working with the high conflict divorce cases. And I started using some of these techniques with them, got great results and decided like light bulb moment, what would happen if I worked with people who weren't court ordered to see me, but wanted to make positive lasting changes. The thinking differently, like we always talk about, kind of kicked in there, right? You were doing the same thing all the time. Then wait a minute. What if this brilliant idea comes up? I can make a change and make a bigger difference. Exactly. And that's when I wrote Brain Makeover, which is 52 weekly readings. They're about a page or two long, Mm. easy to get through, but really important in ways that will have people thinking differently or doing something different on purpose so that you can make those changes. You released the book, The Brain Makeover, and you saw some success with that, right? Definitely. Definitely, right. So you felt like you were making a difference. Where did that lead you from there? So I went out and did a lot of speaking to promote my book. It was incredible to get emails back from people who were in, let's say, an audience of 40 or 50 people. Mm -hmm. I hadn't talked to them directly. I didn't answer any specific question. But what I provided during the talk slash workshop, because I always do something that would be effective, was incredible. Small things made huge differences. And when I saw, not just in myself, but other people that it doesn't take very much, I knew I was on to something and that I had to continue to get information out. I have the second passion, which is health. My mom obviously was not in the best of health growing up. When she was 37, she got diagnosed with breast cancer and 
didn't even survive a year. Oh my goodness. I'm sorry. Yeah. So it's all good now because what I have learned from my experience growing up, what I know about the emotional component of health, that even the Center for Disease Control says 85% of all illnesses have an emotional component. Oh, wow. That high. Yeah. And they're pretty conservative. So I was coming back, flying back from visiting my dad who had had a stroke a couple of years ago. I just knew I had to write Tired and Hungry No More. I knew I had to write this book that what people think, how they think, what they eat, what they do or don't do to take care of themselves, the whole package. It's a holistic approach that you can have your, maybe your thoughts are okay and your eating is not okay Mm. and you'll have a problem. You can have your eating okay, but if your thoughts are not okay, there's people who will look and say, wow, she did everything or he did everything healthy but still died young or ended up with an illness and emotional component. A lot of us don't realize how much that that plays. You can't eat healthy enough to overcome the emotional piece. You know, that's true. I, I have a background in health myself. I'm very interested in it. I I mean, I know what I do now is not uh, body health related. It's uh, monetary health related, but I did study, I have a bachelor's in exercise science, and it was always something very important to me. So when I hear you talking about this, it just reminds me of, of things that, you know, along my path there that I studied and learned. Like, I remember uh, when I was in college, we studied a little bit about, at the time, I think it was Japanese? I think it was the Japanese. And they had a difference in their hospital's visiting policies than we did at the time. Oh, wow. And it was that they expected the family to be a big part of people's recovery. Here they have these, these visiting hours, and you can't really go outside of that. Everybody has to be quiet and respectful, and they have to just rest. The patients have to rest and everything. But there, they expected the family to be there with them, to stay overnight, to take care of them like the nurses do. That's what they expected. What they would do is when somebody was recovering, they would be staying in the hospital longer, so they'd be there more days and nights than they would be in the U.S. They're not trying to just release them. Their their family's there, staying with them, taking care of them, and they're there an extra day or two or three longer, but they had less people coming back for the same problems than we do. The percentage of people coming back was lower than in the U.S. at that time. I totally believe that. Having some support and knowing that you're in a safe space and the people caring for you don't have to be multitasking and doing cooking and laundry and dishes and all of that has to make a huge difference. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I, it's important. It's amazing the difference these little things make in the mind and how it affects the body. The mind is powerful. So I, I know that whatever you think materializes. And I could see that what you're talking about, the connection with the mind, it works in life when you're trying to make something happen for business. I can see how it would work in the body too. For example, when someone says, I just can't imagine being happy or healthy or wealthy or have my situation be any different, I'm stuck. That's all survival mode thinking. That's being problem focused, so into it, holding on, maybe wanting to let go, wanting it different, but not having any idea how to make that happen. Yeah. 
And I think a lot of people don't know how to do possibility thinking and be solution focused because no one's teaching it. True. You know, there's a lot of things like that. A lot of the most important survival skills in life, you just have to learn kind of fumbling around on your own. They're not taught in school. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, exactly. How do you manage your money and how do you make wealth? It's not taught in school. How do you manage your mental health? Unless you're going to, like yourself, that you get a degree somehow, do some extra study on your own on, on psychology or, or anything, you're not going to learn anything. They just don't teach it. Right. And most of what's taught in school, especially general ed, is the foundational work. It's not the how-to and, and giving you practical, doable, and sustainable skills. Right. So that's up to us. People listening to this podcast right now, you're actively looking for new information. So you're among those people that want to make a change in your life. So, Phyllis, matter of fact, along that lines, let's talk a little bit about that. What can people do to help them be a happier, healthy person? What can our listeners do? How can they go about making some positive changes in their life? There are so many different ways. So I would suggest finding one thing that you're interested in that feels right. And it could be to focus on your thoughts. Mm-hmm. It could be that you want to focus on eating better or getting some exercise or sleeping. Right. So pick an area that you're having trouble with and focus. Right. Start there. Focus on that. Focus on one of those areas and don't take on all of them because that's another problem that people tend to do is, oh, I'm going to get myself all healthy and I'm going to do all this stuff at once. And Mm. then it's too much and the brain's not designed for it because we're creatures of habit. And then we revert back to our old patterns without having accomplished anything Mm. and give up. Right, right. Makes sense. So they picked an area. Let's say they're sleeping. That's a big problem in today's world. Yes. Okay, I've decided I have a problem with sleeping. I'm just not getting enough. I can't do it. Where do I go from there? All right, so sleep is probably one of the most vital things that we need. As I did research, I have a whole chapter on sleep in Tired and Hungry No More, that if you don't get adequate sleep, not only do you not get the healing of your body at a cellular level, but it also affects your ability to focus and concentrate your body and your brain actually benefit significantly from sleep more so right. than ever thought of before okay and so some of the things that that are recommended are to make sure that you are in bed long enough to get 7 hours of sleep at a minimum 7's minimum is there kind of a general recommended time or is it just Seven is what's recommended. Okay. But if you're going to bed at midnight and getting up at five or six in the morning, you're not even giving your chance yourself a chance to get seven hours of sleep because you're not in bed long enough. Right, right. So right? if you need to get seven, maybe plan to be in bed for eight. Like seven and a half to eight hours would be great. Start winding down at least 30 to 60 minutes before you want to go to sleep. So don't be engaged in something that is energizing, even watching the news or TV right. shows, 
that have a lot of conflict and drama, those are going to keep you engaged. And that's not conducive to relaxing and getting ready for sleep. Yep, that's true. I, I have found that about myself. If I don't have, I say for myself an hour, but at least 30 minutes. I need that hour to 30 minutes before I go to bed to be something relaxing. If I'm watching a show, I can't watch an action show or a series that I'm really into because then I won't want to stop and I keep thinking about it. It mm-hmm. has to be something a little bit more, how should I say, boring almost. <laughs> you, know? you know, reading something boring yeah. Yeah. is a good thing. Doing something that's relaxing, you can do uh, some stretching, some yoga, meditation. One of my favorite things to do before bed is to write down three to five of your happiest moments of the day. Hmm. That's interesting. Because not only do you then get to think about at the end of the day, what made you happy, but you also go to sleep on happy thoughts. Yeah, that's a good idea. It's almost like killing two birds, one stone there because you're working on the the mental happiness part, not just the sleep, but it's allowing to sleep better. Right. When I uh, took my sabbatical, I kept a happiest moment of the day journal for a year. And every night I would write three to five of my happiest moments of the day Mm. before I went to sleep. I think it made a huge difference. Huge difference. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, And it's different than a gratitude journal because happiness is personal to you. Uh, One of my happiest moments of the day could be feeling the sunshine on my face or seeing the orange poppy flowers on the, the highway. Really simple things that make me happy. And so I think that by being specific about what makes you happy reaches a different place than just being grateful. Right. True. And it rewires your brain to be focused on happiness. Yeah, I can see that. It's like because um, you're putting your, your mind in that place of happiness, almost like, a, like music. Music can make your mind, when you listen to it, either excited or sad or angry or happy whatever it is right it's like a mental trick with your mind to put your mind in that state it's focusing on one aspect that can be a significant factor in changing the way you think tips like this this kind of process could help our listeners in any of the areas that they need improvement in And there's so much information out there that most people know what to do or they can Google it, right? There's no lack of information. It's the lack of follow through. It's the lack of being able to be disciplined, finding ways to move forward and having it sustainable. And what's different about my book, Tired and Hungry No More, is that I start with how to do that before introducing any of the hundreds of things that you could do to improve your health or happiness. You know what? That's a good point there, too, because it works in wealth management, too. People will start and then finish, and they never follow through. You're never going to be as successful planning for the future that way. But it's easy to see in health because what happens every year? This is something I always saw. You know, Every year, Every year I'm in a gym, and the beginning of the year, the gym gets packed with people making their New Year's resolutions. I'm going to get fit, and they go and they join the gym, 
and for the first month it's packed, and then it starts right. going down. And by March, it's back to normal. All exactly. those people that signed up, gone. 50% of the gym, you know, not there anymore. And it's all in the mind. They start it, but they don't stick with it. Well, you can't just depend on willpower right. and good intentions. Right. And there's a reason why we do or don't do what we say we want to do. And I never blame people. I don't call people lazy. I wouldn't label someone as any of those. What tends to happen is that it's our survival brain that gets in the way of becoming happier, healthier, wealthier. There is so much that goes on on an unconscious level that you might choose to not accumulate wealth because maybe there's something about rich people you don't like, right? You don't want to be one of them. Or you're afraid you won't be able to manage your money. Or if you lose weight, you won't be able to sustain it. So there's something about sustaining things. There's something about disappointing yourself if you don't reach something. So why try? If I don't try, I can't disappoint myself. These are just two examples of what could be blocking you from moving forward. Even if you want to, you may have these running in the background. So what can our listeners do before they even, because it sounds like we got to address this before they, they say, okay, sleep is my problem. I'm going to address sleep. So before they get there, the first thing they got to do is they got to address their mental state with it in order to be able to commit to it and stay with it. What do we, they need to do to help with that? Well, the first is identify the area that you want to improve. And then I would write down what your goal is, what you would ultimately like to obtain. Put that into a, a doable action goal, something that you can do that's doable, measurable, able to achieve, and not the big goal. I'm going to say, what can you do in three days? Right. Okay. So for the next three days, I can go to sleep earlier. And then ask yourself, what thoughts do I have about this? How do I feel about going to sleep earlier? And if you're really honest with yourself, you might hear something like, I don't want to go to bed earlier. I don't think I can fall asleep earlier. Mm. I don't want to give up whatever it is that you do before <laughs> going right. to sleep, right? Like, I don't want to give up my TV time. And that can be part of it because all of our lives are so busy now. Honestly, I find myself having that debate sometimes at night. You know, I've had a long day. It's been days and days of work. You know, I'm getting done 10, 11 o'clock every night. Gee, I really want to have a little time to kind of do something, but I know mm -hmm. I need sleep. What do we do? By acknowledging your thoughts and feelings. It then takes the inner struggle from being inside of you that you may not even be aware of to looking at it on paper and saying, wow, I didn't realize that I had these thoughts or feelings mm. and maybe I, I don't want to go to bed earlier. I know I, I should. It's the right thing for me. Uh, they say it's good for me. I don't want to do it. And if you have a lot of resistance, in my book, I have a whole section a chapter on EFT tapping mm -hmm. which is the emotional freedom technique right I've heard about that you, you you tap your temple or something like that well you're tapping on meridian points meridian points here you go yeah and by doing this tapping you can free yourself from these emotions mm -hmm. they're stored in your body 
and it actually will shift things. Whether you use tapping or not, at least you're aware of what's going on. And sometimes just the awareness is enough to then allow you to make that next step. Take the step to say, okay, I know this is going on and I am going to let either my adult self, grown-up self, aware self, wise self, you know, the part of me that knows that there's something I can do here and I'll deal with my resistance. I think a lot of people aren't aware that when they don't follow through with something, there's a good reason and there's a resistance that's tied to something significant. Right. Otherwise, you would do what you say you want to do. Doing a bit of introspection to figure out what you're feeling, what you're thinking helps bring that to the front so you can address the problem so you can accomplish your goals. Exactly. That makes sense. Yeah. Here's another, another issue we could talk about for a little bit here is stress. You know, I know that when you're not getting enough sleep, stress is hard to deal with. And I think stress is something that affects everyone. You know, when you're trying to start a business and you, you have so much to do, you, you get overloaded with stress. If you're doing a regular nine to five job, you might get stressed out because you have so much to do and then you're not performing well. And what can people do to help deal with their stress, their day to day stress and, and their because it's affecting their performance. It's, it's a big problem in today's age. Oh, for sure. And I think that people are more and more stressed today because we have become a 24-hour society. When I was growing up, stores weren't even open on Sundays. Right. True. I don't know if, if anybody can even imagine that today. Now you can go shopping 24-7 on any device you've got. There's always somebody awake and something to, to be doing at any hour of the day which I think adds more stress because we're not getting as much sleep. When you stay up longer, you're eating more, your hormones are probably not what they need to be, which means they're not regulating your sensors for appetite control and cravings and all the things that, that go into that. What people can do to lower their stress, at least temporarily, there's several things, but I'll just mention a couple. You could stop and do a mindfulness exercise, which would be just to sit or stand quietly and pay attention to your breathing. Or you can put your focus on your feet on the floor. Just by doing that for 10 or 15 seconds, 20 seconds, and then shift to something else. You can listen to the sounds outside. Maybe you hear birds or a clock ticking in the room. It brings you to the present moment, and that's calming. Anything you can do to interrupt the chaos that you're in will bring down stress. You could do some deep breathing. Breathe into the count of four slowly and breathe out to the count of four. Focusing on your breath helps to bring you back to your internal experience. Yeah. I've actually read a book on mindful breathing before. I probably should get back to that a little bit myself to help. But it, I did find that when I did that, it actually was kind of relieving. It was nice. I felt good every time I did it. Every time I took a moment to focus that, I, and I, if I remember, I keep trying to remember exactly the, the way to do it, but it was like you were saying about focusing on your feet. So you focus on the breath. And when you breathe in, say something that you're, you're happy about or something about the moment. And then when you're breathing out, you focus on that. 
Ah, there's you know, so many like, there's different... A lot of different... Yeah, there's a lot of different techniques, I know, but it, I did right. find it was helpful to do that. It kind of, like, it grounded me for that moment when I would do it. I, I'd breathe in, and it would be something as simple. I was sitting in a sauna one day, and I would say, oh, I'm thankful for this warmth. And then when I'd breathe out, I could just feel the heat radiating to my body, you know, and it felt good. Mm-hmm. It made yeah. me more present in the moment. Exactly. Most of these techniques that are available, it could be a guided meditation, it can be a visualization. Don't complicate things would be my first <laughs> piece of advice. <laughs> right. Something that seems really simple could be totally effective and more effective than trying to do something more complicated. Right. Makes sense. I don't think we're that complicated, but we sure can get ourselves it, thinking that, is this it? It seems too simple. And then we don't do it. But I say try it before you judge it. Right. I agree with that. So any other tips that you could give our listeners on how to help them manage their stress? For one, if you eat adequately, which means you're not using caffeine and sugar to get your energy or to make it through the day or to wake up. Hey, which um, I'm guilty of. <laughs> that would help significantly to lower stress is to know that you're getting some decent nutrition and not relying on caffeine and sugar. Mm. Okay, good. So before we, we go today, we talked about a lot of great things. I'd like to close with a value bomb of something that in your experience that our listeners today, our Well-Touched Rebels listeners, could look to avoid doing. Mm, avoid doing. Well, I'm going to give you what you can do. Yeah. Because most of us avoid taking care of ourselves. I think we put everything else and everyone else first. I have to survive. I've got to make money. I got to make sure my kids are okay. Right? Like all those things. And I'd say, don't do that. If you don't put yourself first, you're not going to be any good for any of that. And none of that will matter in the long run. My suggestion is put yourself on your to-do list. That's a good point. When I was in college, right, I became a lifeguard. I decided I want to do some, I used to love swimming. I practically grew up in the, in the water, up in Maine. My parents had a camp. I was always swimming. So I got older. I said, I'm going to be a lifeguard. And when I started training lifeguarding, I was all excited. And so were the other people doing the training at the same time to go out there and to help people, to save people. I mean, Oh, I can't wait. It's going to be like Baywatch, right? Charging out there to save someone drowning. <laughs> I, that's what was going on in my mind. In the training, the instructor said the most shocking thing. And they gave this example. Someone's out there, and there's a strong riptide, and they're way out. You could get pulled under from that. So are you going to save them or not? Everyone's like, of course we're going to save them. That's what we're doing here. And he said, no, you're not going to save them. And we just all looked at him like, what are you talking about? Why would we even bother becoming lifeguards if we're not going to save that person? And he said, because you have to take care of yourself first. If you go out there and you save that person, you get pulled under and drown yourself. What about the two, three, four, five other people that you can't save now because you died trying to save that one person? Wow. I've not heard that before, but that makes sense. It, it was shocking. We just all sat there in silence. Uh, we didn't know what to say. <laughs> I mean, it made sense, but it just completely different way of thinking. Blew our minds. Right. 
So my advice would be put yourself on your to-do list, know what and when you are going to go to sleep, have your breakfast, know what it's going to be, know when you're going to get some exercise and what you're going to do and what you need to have ready. Make it an appointment and keep it as you would any other appointment with someone else. Sounds like fantastic advice, Phyllis. I really appreciate it. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our Wealth Tactic Rebels listeners before we uh, end today's episode? If I could give them my website, they can... Absolutely. Uh, yeah, they can look into uh, what I'm up to, and there's links to my books there. Or you can go to any place books are sold. You can find Brain Makeover and Tired and Hungry No More. But my website is phyllisginsburg.com. And I'll spell that P-H-Y-L-L-I-S-G-I-N-S-B-E-R-G.com. And I'll mention to the Wealth Factor Rebels listeners is that I'm going to put links to all of your contact information, your website and such on our website, wealthtacticrebels.com. And you just go to the show notes for today's episode with Phyllis Ginsburg, and that'll all be there for you. Wonderful. So thank you, Phyllis. I really appreciate today. Uh, your information is very valuable because these are problems like we discussed earlier that aren't well talked about and aren't taught anywhere, but are extremely important for people to be able to function and, well, to have a fulfilling, happy life, right? Right. So thank you again, Phyllis. I appreciate it. Thanks, Kevin. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Pleasure's ours. And thank you, Wealth Tactic Rebels, for joining us today. Uh, I would love you to go to the WealthTacticRebels.com website. And please leave a comment there about how we're doing. Uh, I'd love to get some feedback from you to make improvements or anything that you would be like to listen to or know. Just let us know and, and drop us a line. And we appreciate your help. I hope you have a fantastic day. And we'll talk to you again soon. Want to really see things differently? Take our course in Genius Tactics 201, where we teach you all the wealth accumulating tactics with detailed real-life examples, see your progress with quizzes, and a certificate of completion. For course details, visit WealthTacticRebels.com. Sign up today and start seeing things differently. This presentation is intended as informational only. Information presented does not consider your particular financial objectives, risk tolerance, time horizon, or other unique circumstances, and does not constitute a personalized recommendation or replace the advice of a financial, tax, or legal advisor or other qualified professionals. Do your own research and do not use the information of this presentation in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional. To the best of our ability, we provide content that is accurate as of the date of release. However, we give no assurance or guarantee regarding its accuracy, timeliness, completeness, or applicability. We assume no liability for the information of this and related presentations.